Welcome to Image Talks Fertility, an image first podcast where we deep dive into all things fertility, brought to you in partnership with Waterstone Clinic. In this special bonus episode, we're going to be talking about fertility in the workplace. I'll be joined by Anne O'Leary, Chief Executive Officer of Vodafone Ireland, and later I'll be joined by Susan Waterstone, Clinic Manager at Waterstone Clinic. Family-owned and operated, Waterstone Clinic is a leader in fertility excellence with two decades of reproductive medicine experience. Waterstone Clinic has built a family of five clinics in Dublin, Cork, Kildare, Limerick and Waterford. The clinic uses pioneering fertility science, making even the most advanced fertility services available to patients in Ireland, and they are renowned for their exceptional patient care. Fertility is one of those words that encompasses so much, from IVF, egg freezing and surrogacy, to endometriosis, polycystic ovaries and reduced ovarian reserves. It's medical, it's scientific, but it's also deeply emotional and often a topic that is mirrored in mystery and sometimes misunderstood entirely. It contains the highest miracle highs and the lowest heartbreaking lows. It is quite literally what makes us human. My name is Dominique McMullen, and I'm Image Media's Editorial Director and mum to Kai, who's two and a half, and Freddie, who's five months old. In this mini-series, in partnership with Waterstone Clinic, I'll be talking to women whose fertility journeys offer hope and mirror the paths that so many of you are walking. In conjunction, I'll be putting your fertility questions to the experts and hoping to help guide you and provide advice for you and your family in what can be the most challenging time. One topic that has arisen throughout this series and one that affects a significant proportion of women going through fertility treatment is that of fertility at work. Many people are forced to hide their fertility journeys from their employer. They might feel that it's a taboo topic. They might even fear negative career implications. Many of them will be forced to take sick days and will feel isolated. And some, should they fall pregnant, won't even be entitled to maternity leave. A really terrible uh, terrible chain of events. There are companies who are trying to change that though and today for this special bonus episode I'm joined by Anne O'Leary, Chief Executive Officer of Vodafone Ireland. So welcome Anne. Hi Dominique, delighted to be here with you today. Delighted to have you. Um, So Anne you've just launched a new fertility and pregnancy policy in Vodafone. Can you give me a quick overview of some of the changes that you've introduced? Yeah so Dominique I suppose we recognise Uh, just like you said, that the journey to having a family isn't always straightforward Mm -hmm. and it can be far from easy. We know there is moments of joy and happiness, but real sadness and heartbreak. And I suppose we want to support our people through both the highs and the lows, Mm -hmm. ensuring we're there for all of them through those eventualities. Uh, We already have a number of progressive policies, such as our maternity leave, our non-birthing parents leave, our domestic violence and abuse policies, and more recently, our menopause policy. Mm. So, you know, we've introduced a number then of new policies to support our people on their journey of having a family. And this is about providing extended leave for those dealing with pregnancy loss, Mm. fertility treatment, and surrogacy, as well as their partners. So the new pregnancy loss policy 
includes 10 days of paid leave for those impacted by pregnancy loss, where the loss occurs to them, their partner or their baby's mother. We've also launched a new fertility treatment policy where we're offering 10 paid working days leave per annum for those directly undergoing fertility treatment mm. and two days paid leave for partners of those having treatment. So um, obviously each situation is different and we will be there to listen and to learn from that. Mm. And then upon returning to work, I think Vodafone recognised that each case would be different. Uh, so we have flexibility as well, hybrid and flexible working, you know, core hours of 10 to 4. And our new future of work policy allowed, asked people just to be in the office two days a week. So obviously there's extra uh, flexibility for other days of the week as well. Mm. I think surrogacy is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, we know that this is often overlooked in maternity leave policies. So with this in mind, we're offering full 26 weeks paid maternity leave for the surrogacy intending mother or parent, I should say. So it's the primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. And then we'll continue to offer the 16 weeks fully paid parental leave to all non-birthing parents. So whether the, the baby is born, adopted or born through surrogacy. Mm -hmm. So actually both uh, the primary caregiver and uh, the partner will enjoy those. Um, also, prospective parents undergoing surrogacy will also be entitled to 10 days leave to attend preparation classes or meetings. Okay. So again, we got expert advice externally where they said before they may need you know, to prepare or have additional meetings. So it's quite extensive, but it really was the, uh, it was the finishing off of the progressive policies we had already. And we got that through feedback from our employee base, but expert external advice as well. And it really it does feel like there's no stone left unturned, that it, it does feel thorough and that every person, situation and type of family has been considered. I'm curious what kind of spurred on the introduction of these policies. Were you were you seeing employees in Vodafone who had these issues who were coming to you or what? How, how did they all arrive? Well, I suppose our kind of strategy and focus is in uh, supporting employees through all their life stages. Mm. OK, and we acknowledge that the road to parenthood is not always straightforward. So these when we went out and we asked our employees, you know, what more could we do? This is the feedback we got and engaging with experts outside. Mm. So we found uh, from the expert advice and some of the people were still hiding some of their experience, felt it was a bit of a taboo topic, uh, concerns you mentioned about impact their career. So what we like to do at Vodafone, what I like to do, it's about opening up a conversation, okay, and making it okay to talk about the taboo subjects. It's about educating our people managers on societal issues, because you mightn't experience it yourself. You mightn't even, you might have heard about them, but it's about being educated so that we have policies uh, to support all employees, uh, men and women and their partners and remove the stigma around pregnancy, fertility and pregnancy loss. Mm. And just so, just so we're clear, in Ireland, policies like these are actually very rare in workplaces. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I th can think of a, a handful really um, that are supporting, especially surrogacy journeys, 
Um, was, was there anything that specifically introducing surrogacy leave for the primary caregiver? Was there anything specifically that made you decide to introduce that? Was that from external advice? Well, firstly, we, we have had employees uh, who have gone down the surrogacy route. So we learned that. We also learned that Ireland is one of the highest rates of surrogacy. Really? And given that there's, yeah, we didn't know that. And given that there's no legislation in Ireland to support surrogacy, yeah. we felt it was important to take a leadership position yeah. on this issue. Yeah. So regardless of whether you give birth to the child, we believe you should be entitled to leave to allow you to bond and care for that child. Mm. And so while we had our 16 weeks non-birthing leave, we want to mirror uh, the offering for maternity leave and increase it to 26 weeks. Uh, with obviously the ramp on as well, which we have, which is you work four days, but get paid for five days for the first six months. Mm -hmm. So we want to equalize it, make it fairer and recognize another societal issue like surrogacy mm -hmm. and educate everyone about it. Yeah. Um, and obviously having the experience of some of our employees going through it and talk about it and share it was really enlightening for us as well. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic policy to introduce, and one I think that the Irish government could take a little look at. <laughs> um, and, and what I find lovely is obviously this podcast is about fertility, and um, what really strikes me in that you kind of touched on earlier in these policies is that most companies, many companies, will focus on successful family planning journeys, on issues like parental leave and work life balance. Um, but you're offering, as you said, ten days working. 10 paid days leave per annum for those directly undergoing fertility treatment and then two days paid leave for the partners of those having treatment as well as extended leave of 10 days for those impacted by pregnancy loss. Obviously these policies are important but can you explain why specifically naming these things are so important? Well again um, you know it's a myriad of complexity for people to understand um, so I think call recognizing the different situations the yeah. different stages the different issues is is key yeah. and having a policy to support all of them is also very important and our employees have said that so i think we are um recognizing that this these are national conversations that need to be had that yeah. it's about women's health it's about us being progressive in Ireland, but as an employer as well. Um, also, as you said, there's not legislation around some of them, like the fertility, pregnancy loss occurring up to 24 weeks of pregnancy, mm. you know, surrogacy, unregulated, the Irish law. Mm. So I, we just want to call out specifically um, and name uh, what is going on in terms of education, and support enlightenment and making sure that we have an inclusive uh, culture and the policies to support that in Because yeah. I think a lot of people would say, you know, oh, it's private and I don't want to talk about it. And But actually, when you are in a workplace where it is recognised that it's okay and that if you want to share, obviously you don't have to, I think suddenly it opens everything up and just the culture is more positive and, you know, people... I think it's always good to share experiences like this and not feel like you have to hide from your manager what's going on, you know, to some extent, um, especially if you're taking sick leave. 
Um, well, you know, the feedback is that uh, going through these treatments, fertility and that can be very stressful. Yeah. And we want to remove that stress, actually. Yeah. And yeah. it probably, if it's stressful, it could impact them in the workplace, yeah. in their yeah. jobs. Mm -hmm. So you want to have an environment where an employee can say to their manager, this is going on in my personal life. This is what's happening. So mm -hmm. there's a little understanding, kindness, support. Yeah. Um, so that actually they have a better chance of success. Yeah. Through yeah. that treatment. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, you know, a sense of belonging is important that people feel uh, respected that they can bring their whole selves to work that they can be themselves yeah. and where actually things going on in someone's personal life does affect them in work and let's support them and that is the same through things like menopause yeah. etc as well and we've talked about that as well so I think our role as employers is uh, to create open up the conversation create the opportunities show kindness yeah. show support yeah. um, to all of them and it is it, it it shouldn't be but it's a new way of being an employer to some extent this compassionate com employer that recognizes it sounds ridiculous but recognizes that their employees have a life outside of work and that that does impact their work it's um it's i think it's essential moving forward especially after covid there seems to be a real shift in recognizing employees in a different way and the the responsibilities of an employer are different too um, did you come up against any opposition internally or externally when you were introducing these kind of policies? No, to be honest, at Vodafone, we're a purpose-led company. Our purpose, we talk about to connect for a better future, you know, yeah. and one of them is inclusion for all, one of our pillars. And this is about being the best employer for women by 2025. Mm. And we believe by being the best employer for women by 2025, we're the best uh, uh, employer for all employees because yeah. it's partners it's families so honestly we already had amazing progressive policies as you know around menopause domestic violence non-birthing parents but we had we these were just finishing off and yeah. what was already subjects so to be honest i mean actually i've got about 30 emails this morning because we launched it internally from employees you know, both male and female saying, thank you. This is why I like working for Vodafone. This is why I'll stay here. And, you know, Dominique, you talked about, um, you know, employers, we, you know, we're trying to attract talent. We're trying to keep talent. Yeah. And going that extra way will attract people to join Vodafone as an employer. We'll also keep people longer. We know our maternity leave policy, when we looked at it, that women that went on maternity leave and took the full maternity leave, uh, stayed on average of nine years. Wow. Mm. We want to keep people, we want to promote people, we want to give people every opportunity um, to reach their full potential. And these policies will enable us to do that. Yeah, yeah. You touched on gender equality there. How important are policies like this for gender equality, for men and women in the workplace? They're absolutely key. I mean, um, you know, people feel talking about things like pregnancy, surrogacy, fertility can impact their career progression. Mm. Um, so we want, as I said, raise the bar, raise the conversation. And if employees feel supported and respected and they can talk about these things, um, you know, they, it's, it's to be much more equal. 
And if we can keep all, for example, our females in employment, you know, they're not going to leave because they've started a family or they're having fertility issues, mm-hmm. you know, and the partners as well. All these, you know, policies include partners. So the partner, which is usually the male, not always, because it can be an LGBT couple, etc. And um, they're more likely if they're taking their non-birthing leave, they're 16 weeks they're supporting the partner who's had the, had the baby or uh, had surrogacy or adopted, but they're also bonding with the child. Yeah. And if we're talking about an Ireland which is much more about the family, yeah. I think, um, you know, we will be able to keep both male and females in the workplace for longer yeah. and that both male and females will be able to reach their full potential. Um, breaking down taboos around family and issues, we also know that the partners can also be affected yes. when um, when someone's going through fertility treatment or pregnancy loss or surrogacy. So we want them to talk about their journey. And we have actually got um, a team of employees talking this week um, about uh, different issues. And we do have a lot of the non-birthing partners talking about them and how it affected them. So we mm. want them supported as well. So I think it's absolutely key if we're talking about a modern and progressive Ireland yeah. and workplace. Um, and I think it will support uh, gender equality in the long term. Mm. Talk to me, you touched on paternity leave there or non-birthing partner leave of 16 weeks. Um, have you ever considered, I know a lot of, uh, often a lot of problem that arises around non-birthing partner leave or paternity leave is that it's not it's not taken, that it's offered but not taken. Um, and then some workplaces go as far as making it mandatory to try and equal that, you know, playing field a little bit. Have you considered that? Was that something you looked at? Yes. So I think it's a great uh, point because you can put policies in, mm. but it's the culture of the organization. It's what's actually done, what's mm. actually said. So you can have all the policies in the world and a lot of companies do have policies on you know, gender stats, but never achieve them. So um, what I would say is our non-birthing uh, partners um, leave of 16 weeks, we encourage, uh, which is mainly men yeah. and fathers in, in Vodafone to take them. We have seen a significant uptake on it. And what this does and why they're taking before they didn't take it because they couldn't afford to. The men would say the financial implications of taking time off. I can't afford it. Uh, now they can. Uh, also, it's removed um, the barrier for women reaching, you know, getting jobs because now you don't say, well, the woman will. I, if I, will I take the man, hire the man or the woman? Because the man can take leave and the woman can take leave. Yeah. So it's actually equalised that. Also, when uh, people take the leave, it allows other people to step in and step up and get a better career um, um, experience. Yeah. So we've seen uh, uh, an uptake and people taking it. We're encouraging people to take it. We celebrate when our the male partners take the leave. Mm. And uh, the feedback has been really, really positive because we also believe that our male talent the non-birthing parents will usually stay in Vodafone longer as well, which is what we want them to do. They'll be more loyal. Yeah. And can they take the 16 weeks spread out or is it in one in one chunk? So they can they can take the 16 weeks for the first 18 months 
after the birth of a child and they can take it in any way they want. They just agree it with their manager. Uh, that's really, so, yeah. You know, some people take it in blocks. Some people take it at holiday time. Some people take it later. So the new baby is born. Uh, they might take it when the mother goes back to work mm. after her maternity leave to help settle it. So we've seen different, different ways. And some people might take a day a week. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing, I suppose, everybody has such different circumstances. It's great to be able to be flexible like that. Um, have, have you got any advice specifically? I'm thinking about listeners now who might be listening and might not have um, such an understanding employer, <laughs> to put it nicely. Have you any advice of how they might broach the topic, say, if they are about to undergo fertility um, treatment, they're not sure how to kind of broach the topic with their employer? What might they say? How might they, what might they be asking for? Um, or how might they explain their situation? Look, the first thing to acknowledge is that this is very personal, you know, um, to people. And also it mightn't feel like the most natural conversation in a work environment, both for the person having the conversation and person receiving it. So I think the first thing, if you know, if someone's listening and they're thinking about how do I discuss it, I think they have to feel comfortable sharing it and, and be sure of who they're sharing it with. And mm. um, so uh, in Vodafone, obviously, the people manager, we would encourage them to talk to their manager who has been trained and educated on it or a trusted colleague or their HR business partner. Yeah. And um, so, you know, they could practice the conversation with a friend, maybe or whatever. I mean, look, it is every uh, situation is different. Every employer is different. I mean, my view is I would hope that every employer would be like Vodafone in that even if they don't have the policies, they have an understanding mm -hmm. and they're flexible mm -hmm. and they will support uh, the individual through whatever the fertility, surrogacy, treatment, yeah. um, miscarriage. But, um, you know, I think, you know, they could practice. But I think it, they have to make sure it is a trusted colleague. And you would hope that they would get... Um, you know, good support and understanding and kindness and respect. You yes, you would hope. <laughs> I'm sure they would. Um, and and if we're talking about the kind of flip of that, if you're talk if, it, if an employer is listening and thinking, you know, um, it's very well for Vodafone, but I'm not sure if these kind of measures would necessarily work in my workplace. Um, could, what would message would you say to them about why these policies are so valuable and how they would help their business? Yeah, look, you know, what works for one organization may not work for all. So I think if I was in a smaller company uh, looking at this, I mean, the first thing would be to do is to uh, get feedback, mm. ask employees for feedback and open up the conversation. Mm. You know, uh, you know, I think what you'll find is what will emerge is an approach and a plan that works for that business. You know, I think the first thing is that you want, no matter what company you have, are that you can address the taboo that exists in the workplace around having a family yeah. so you know and then it's trying to adapt policies that can support you you as an employer and the employee um, I think it's trying to create an an environment where employees feel comfortable asking for help mm -hmm. that's it and you know um, I think if employees ask for help and feel comfortable doing it and get that help 
I think they will be very loyal, very engaged and stay longer. And I think as an employer, even as you know, a small one, they'll want to do that. I think they might hate to think that someone is left because they felt they couldn't discuss something. Mm-hmm. Or they didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. So again, I think let's op- I would recommend opening up the conversation and then seeing what would work for the employer and the employee. Because yeah, I think certainly a, a small SMEs might have the problem or imagine they would have the problem of, you know, draining bank accounts if they're paying someone who's off maternity leave and paying an ex person. But I think when you're looking at the big picture and long term, you know, keeping employees there, having loyal employees who are there for years, it makes up for it in the long term. And also, I have to say, um, I, I really do personally think mothers are incredible employees. <laughs> you know, if you're talking about coming back from maternity leave, they are people who can, you know, multitask and have infinite patience. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and, and if you could wave a kind of magic wand and, and you could talk about gender equality in the workplace, if you could make big changes in Ireland specifically, is there anything that you would do? Um, I know that's a big question. But what are the big, most important issues? Or do you think it's like menopause leave, fertility leave, these kind of things just on a bigger scale? Look, I think it's talking about these subjects. I mean, when we launched our menopause policy, I mean, it was all over uh, the news, all over the, the wavelengths. And it didn't become just about menopause. It became about fertility, hormonal yeah. issues. And suddenly you had all these people talking about things that were taboo. So for me, you know, the new progressive Ireland, an Ireland where everyone has the opportunity to reach their full potential, Mm -hmm. is an Ireland where we talk about motherhood, fertility, having children, families, domestic violence, men, things that affect women, that affect society, that affect families. And I think if we can create this these conversations and you know I'm doing it today by talking to you I'm doing it by launching these policies from a you know out there other employers can do the same they can amplify this I think we would have a fairer and more equal society where you know gender inequality will not be an issue where women will and men will be 50 50 at CEO level at board level at all levels, and that we won't have women, you know, stepping out of the workforce like they did in my time, where most of my friends gave up work once they started having a family. And we lost this incredible brain power, incredible talent. And the fact is out there, we need the talent. Employers are saying we can't get people, you know, we can't keep people. So, um, you know, women, um, have a contribution, significant contribution to make to our economic prosperity. And also, if we think about the new modern family where both partners share, you yeah. know, in the upbringing of a family, mm-hmm. um, in, in, you know, in working and supporting family life, mm-hmm. the policies need to work both ways. And women need to make sure that their partner, be it a male or female, can also um, can also avail of the supports that are there and that are needed. And of course, the legislation needs to be put in to support that. And things like surrogacy, um, where these children can be recognised and, and people can, again, talk about it 
you know, in, in a free and easy way. That would be my magic wand. Mm, that's very rousing. I want to kind of stand up and say, yes. <laughs> equality, that's the thing though. Equality means equality for everybody. It's not just about mothers. It's not just about fathers. It's not just about one type of family. It's equality for everybody across the board. And when that happens, Ireland will be a, a significantly better place. Um, well, I think that is a pretty amazing place to leave it. And I I, I don't think we're going to top that question and answer. <laughs> that was a, a really fantastic talk. And congratulations um, on those policies. And thank you so much for being that change um, and for making that change happen in Ireland today. Um, and next, I'm going to be joined by Susan Waterstone, who's clinic manager at Waterstone Clinic. Um, to talk about the reality behind fertility in Ireland today. So thank you so much, Anne. Thank you. We are joined now by our last expert in the series, Susan Waterstone. Susan is one of the founders of Waterstone Clinic and leads the team as clinic manager at Waterstone Clinic. So Susan, I think we get straight into it. How lacking is Ireland when it comes to recognising people's fertility journeys? Well, I think fertility journeys aren't that well recognised in Ireland. And I think there's probably a few reasons for this. Mm -hmm. I suppose, first of all, historically, there's a bit of a taboo. It's a bit of a taboo subject. There's a bit of a stigma around the inability to conceive uh, for the, the couple involved, both the male and the female. And usually you know, when people get married, they're on that journey, they buy their house, people are asking them, you know, are you trying when when are we going to hear the little tiny patter of uh, patter of tiny feet? So I think, you know, there's there is um a stigma about, you know, not getting pregnant easily. So I think also it's very personal and private matters. So people aren't maybe comfortable in sharing their their journeys mm-hmm. or the fact that they need help to conceive. But I think the conversation is changing. I think more and more it's out there in the media. People are discussing it. I think we've different, you know, people forget that it's quite prevalent. I mean, one in six heterosexual couples have difficulties conceiving. So it's quite commonplace now. And you also have different family models that use fertility services to get pregnant. You know, same-sex couples need donor sperm, need to have IUI to, to conceive or sometimes IVF. And also we have a lot of single women now, we're seeing an increase in single women coming through to freeze their eggs or um, use donor sperm to have a baby when the time is right for them. So there is a more awareness about uh, people's fertility journeys about, and I'm hoping and praying that, um, you know, uh, that we will have a situation where it's more normalized uh, to seek assistance if you're struggling to conceive. Yeah, I know. I think the one thing that's come up on the series again and again is, and and like you said, is to have the conversations, is to educate yourself. Yeah. Is to really not waste time, you know, not to scaremonger either, um, but to to not waste time to get in there, get yourself checked, figure out, you know, where you stand. Um, and really, you know, the more we talk about it, the more I think about it. There's a huge education piece that needs to be done around fertility for men and women. Mm. I think in schools even, you know. I completely agree. I mean, it's something I feel strongly about. You know, you people coming out having studied science and biology to leaving cert and into college and they're not aware. Well, possibly they are more aware these days, but certainly, you know, 
a number of years ago, there was no discussion yeah. about the fact that, you know, um, you need to look after your fertility health, make, you know, watch out for sexually transmitted diseases, protect your fallopian tubes, and be aware of, you know, um, th that, you know, tests such as AMH tests and have a sort of a, a checkup. So you can plan accordingly, you know, people uh, sometimes don't consider it, but I but I'm hoping things are changing and I'm hoping that we, um, there should be more of an education program in colleges, certainly. Yeah, and I think that's another thing that we've touched on throughout the series is that um, you don't need to do the, you know, the career, have a house, get married and then have the baby, you know, that people's paths can be whatever they want them to be. And, and you go and reach out and, and do what you want and what feels right for you. We don't need no man. You don't have to wait for a man. <laughs> is this true? Makes stuff easier, but you know. Um, and, and, and I think that is a stress. You know, people are educated, they 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 perhaps go to university, they've invested a lot of time, they want the career, but it shouldn't be also about career or baby and having all of your dots in a row before you start a family. You need to just be aware of where you're at and do it when the time is right for you. And I think you know, uh, employers need to understand that too, that, um, you know, there, there, there is a kind of a, it can be stressful balancing your work life and your desire to have a family. But I think, you know, we should recognize again that um, it's very important that the fundamental uh, desire to have a family, it's a very basic need, um, you know, that, that some people feel that yes, they, they, um, uh, they want to have a family when the time is right and we should be supportive of that and they shouldn't have to choose between career and a yeah. family and as as Anne um, O'Leary said earlier in the episode you know a happy workforce a fulfilled workforce who feels mm -hmm. supported our workforce who are going to you know stay with the company and probably do better for the company and be more loyal to them and um, you know talking about the education piece and talking about opening up conversations. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important to see policies like the policies that are being introduced by Vodafone that do open up these conversations um, in the mm -hmm. media and with, with employees of that company. Um, but how important is it, do you think, on witnessing and seeing people's experiences um, with fertility treatments but also with potentially pregnancy loss as a result of fertility treatments or pregnancy loss full stop how important is it to recognize um leave rather than just you know saying it's part of your sick pay how important is it to uh, actually differentiate that leave do you think for an employee's mental health or, or generally for the message that it gives? Well, I think it's I think it's very important for employers to acknowledge it and for the employees to feel that they have um, someone who, 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 who listens and is supportive uh, in the workplace whether that be their direct line manager or HR department or um, you know uh, I think because when we've surveyed patients in the past, I mean, a third of people don't actually talk to anybody at all about their struggles to become pregnant because, you know, it, it's stressful for them. It's embarrassing for them. You know, there still is that thing, you know, uh, they don't want to talk about it and they're afraid of um, maybe not becoming pregnant and how they're going to react to that. So they're kind of, it's a self-protective thing. And I think when it comes to um, 
they said when it comes to their employers, you know, 70% of them don't even mention it to their employers at all. 70. So that's a really high percentage. And I guess they're, you know, fearful of how it will be met, you know, Um, they're dependent on on the employer to be understanding um, and, you know, give them the time off. They're afraid maybe of how it's going to affect their career prospects. Yeah. So I do think, um, you know, it's 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 important to open the conversation. Having a policy in place is, is a good first step. And, uh, you know, it allows people to say, you know, it shows that the company values the employee. Um, and, you know, it's it's they're looking after their their well-being. Um, and, you know, they recognize that. People have to have families. Well, you know, fifty percent of the workforce is female. Women have babies, so there is a need to acknowledge it yeah. uh, in the workplace and and not ignore it or sweep it under the carpet. So prepare for it, uh, be open uh, about it. Yeah. And I think again, when we see patients coming through, what they what they need is, is support, but what they really want also is flexibility. Yeah. So, you know, undergoing an IVF treatment cycle requires. Well, first of all, they, they might need time off for an investigation, you know, which could be a hospital procedure, uh, such as a laparoscopy. Uh, then when they're going through IVF, they need time off to attend scans, which are short, short uh, visits, but they might need to travel to the appointment. Um, and then they need a day off for egg collection, possibly the next day, and a day off for embryo transfer. So you don't need a huge amount of time. And people react differently. Some people find it very easy going through an IVF cycle and they're relaxed and they're um, they're not stressed by it. They look upon it very positively because it's a happy time. They're trying to have a baby. And then others are more stressed. It could be their second time around, you know, yeah. um, and they're stressed about, is it going to work? Is it going to work for me? So I think alleviating that burden of stress is, is really important. And I think having an air of openness in the workplace is ideal um, or is certainly a safe place that you can go and talk to your manager and, and, you know, having a policy is great. It allows the conversation to be had. It recognizes that, you know, fertility is a, it's a, it's a medical um, planned medical procedure. Um, and, you know, it's prevalent. We need to normalize the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. so I think having a policy is, is a great starting point, uh, but I think certainly employers, even if they don't have a policy now, should be flexible with their staff. There are simple things that can be done, you know, um, uh, just allowing people to, to attend scan appointments. They could, they could allow them to work on a particular day um, or, you know, come in late, start earlier, you know, start earlier, uh, finish early. So I think there's loads of things that people, that employers can do for the, the, the employee. Um, and it shows they value them. And as Anna Leary has said, you know, it's, it's a good recruitment and retention policy, you know. Um, so it's a, it's a strategy, I suppose, uh, is what I'm saying. And it does say that you value your employees um, by putting it out there and saying we're going to be supportive. Uh, we're going to allow you the time off. You can relax. Uh, it alleviates the stress of the whole situation of having to take a sick day, you know. Yeah. Um Nobody wants to have loads of sick days on their employment record. You know, it is what it is. People aren't sick. They're undergoing fertility treatments. So, you know. Big difference. Big Big difference. difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and Anne touched on this too. I think it's really important that it's not just policy, but that there's a culture in the company which 
um, you know, you can have all the policies in the world, but if you don't feel comfortable uh, with the culture in coming forward and, and, and giving that information, then there's no point in the policy. And my question that I was going to ask you, which is what mm. you literally just said, was what can companies or employers actually do? Um, you know, what's a first step? And like you've said, to, to be flexible, I think. And I think in workplaces generally, that is something thank goodness that is starting to happen that it's a mm. conversation as well as just outside of fertility it's a conversation that's happening and um, that flexibility is becoming important and employers are recognizing that employees have outside lives um, and that they have things that they need to do <laughs> well I think that's it we've seen that over the last you know number of years you know the well-being of your employees is you know is a hot topic of conversation I think this is just another step in the right direction yeah. I think um, and it doesn't have to be you know the whole shebang you know 10 days paid leave or whatever that is a huge gesture it's great but I think I think being um, supportive understanding mm-hmm. allowing people to talk about what they're going through um, and allowing that flexibility in working hours is, is a step in the right direction it's a first step I think for bigger companies where you, you know it is good to have it documented, um, you know, so people know where they stand, particularly if they don't want to talk about it, because they might not. They might want to They might want to be private, but they might want to just say, look, I need a fertility day, and, and that's it. They put the, the, the request in. But um, I think it's much more important to foster a culture of openness, discuss it, um, uh, you know, uh, with, with the teams and... Um, but I think also from an employer's perspective, it allows em- employers, the benefits are really, yes, at attracting good employees, retaining them, loyalty of your employees uh, is, is really important too, um, and building a strong team. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, flexibility, I would say, to employers is, 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 is a step in the right direction and recognising that the the fundamental um, need to to have a family and you know as a happy team a happy employee is uh, contributes to a happy team and um, you know that's you say a step in the right direction they need to give they need to allow them that that time and allow them to maybe step back maybe uh, modify work deadlines um, and just just support them and alleviate the stress and positively impacts really everybody in the long run, you know, men and women, and um, just allows everybody to live a more authentic life and start those conversations, um, which I, I, I just think is really the key to all of it, uh, that we all talk about it, because a lot of people are going through it, and it's time. I think it's time. In the I, I, think it, I think it is time, um, you know, to... Uh, uh, but you know, some people are more open about their private lives than others. So yeah. it, it, it is time to start the conversation. Uh, it is time to educate employers about what's in you know involved in in these in in these treatments, etc. We have produced a little guide on our, our website. If people want to access it, that might tell them a little bit about uh, IVF, about why you know what timings of of um, reproduction so it's a step towards educating them and suggesting uh, strategies to uh, support their employees in this area well Susan um, 
we are going to leave it there for today but thank you so much that's a huge amount of information and it was a pleasure to talk to you this morning and you too Dominique thank you very much thank you and I'm afraid that is where we're going to have to leave it for today and indeed for the series so thank you so much to Anne O'Leary for joining us earlier in the episode and thank you again to Susan Waterstone for the most interesting chat and finally thank you of course to our partners Waterstone Clinic